Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Good morning, Calvary. Ah, there we go. Let's awaken to the Lord, to the presence of God who's with us. God is a speaking father. I'm so glad he's not one of those fathers we sometimes have that are withdrawn or absent. God is a father who is, he defines himself as with us, Emmanuel. And he is a God who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's a communicator. And God wants to speak to us this morning. And I want us to have ears that are hearing what the Spirit is saying. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James in the New Testament, the first chapter. And we'll be looking there and some other passages in just a few moments. In 2017, the Lord put a new call upon my life, and I moved out of uh, being the senior pastor role, and the, the, the calling that God really dropped in me was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is actually one of the prophecies that was given to John the Baptist and in his life to prepare in the first coming of the Lord. And I believe we live in generation in a generation when we ought to see how much our world is changing and the fact that God is in charge. He knows where we're going. And the prophetic landscape that's in front of us, God has plans and purposes he's working out in our generation. And we need to be those people who are aligned with God, aligned with his heart, aligned with what he's doing so that we can bring light into increasing darkness And we can also bring greater righteousness in the increase of wickedness. For years, I've been teaching that the world is getting worse and worse, better and better, faster and faster. And that's exactly what we see the Bible picturing, the return of Jesus when he comes to establish the kingdom of God. It's described as childbirth, that when labor contractions come, you have contractions and then it backs off. You have contractions and it backs off, but it speeds up as you approach the birth and it becomes more intense. I believe we're in a time of the birth pangs as Paul describes them, or Jesus talks about giving birth. And so our lives are to be as God's people. We are to be helping, actually, with the contractions of the kingdom, to press eternity into the temporal lives in which we are living, that we can be not just aligned with God, believing what he wants us to believe and seeing what he sees, but active with God. God's moving in this world. God's working in this world. And we are in the family business. If you're a child of God, we get in on the family business. We have a family inheritance that's to come. And we have a glorious future in front of us. Well, in my calling to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, one of the things that's very important at the return of Jesus in that last generation is that we would have strong Christians and strong churches. Strong Christians and strong churches. It's going to be required of us. In fact, the Bible talks about Jesus says, you know, the love of many would grow cold in the last days. and There would be a falling away. That's why the, the thing pressing on my heart is to take the people that God gives and to help us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So this morning, I want to talk about one of the key characteristics it's going to take for us as God's people 
to actually be overcomers in the last days, to be those who stand in the midst of the righteous judgments of God and proclaim his goodness, his love, to proclaim the salvation of the Lord that's available. I want us to be that kind of church, that kind of people. And one of the key ingredients is going to be that we have to be a people of faith. We have to be a people of faith. So this morning, I want to talk about the trial of faith. The trial of faith. That when we come into times of trouble and tribulation, that's exactly when our faith ought to operate best. Now think about that. When we get into times of trial, we've been in this, this corona crisis, and it press in, and just a few short months, the whole attention of the earth was gathered up on one thing, a virus. Think about that. How easy it is to get the attention of the whole world with one little invisible bug. Listen, the things we see prophesied and promised in the word of God, it is not going to be hard for God to get the world's attention. And I described this coronavirus earlier in one of my teachings as a pop quiz. It's like, this is not the great tribulation Jesus describes. There is a final exam coming for the earth. God is going to require of us as his inhabitants and his people to say, what have you done? How have you stewarded my creation, including our own lives? But there is within us the opportunity to serve and to do some things that will actually open the door for the kingdom of God to come in. And it's going to require us being people of strong faith and to build strong churches. So I want to talk about how does faith work in tough times? If this coronavirus, and I believe it is, a pop test, remember this, that when you're in school and you get a pop quiz or something, it counts against your final grade, right? I mean, it's not like it doesn't count. This is not practice. This virus that's hit our world, it's not practice. This is a real thing. It's just not the final exam. That's a lot bigger. That's a lot harder. But the pop quizzes are meant to help us get ready for the final. It covers things that we're going to need to have ready when we get to the final exam. And so this issue of faith is going to be one of the primary um, ingredients, primary characteristics that's going to have to define us as people of God in the last days. And it is a life of faith that allows us to be strong as the world gets darker and darker because of the power of faith in us, we will get brighter and brighter. We will be a source of light to people. We will be a source of goodness and love and mercy. And the Bible tells us, Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, that as the world gets darker and it gets harder, that people are going to start looking for light. And guess where that's going to be? In you and me, the light of the Lord, in the church of the living God. And in that, it says, nations will come to your light. Nations will come to your light. There is a last great revival coming. When God will reach more people with the good news of Jesus in the last three and a half years before the return of the Lord, the great tribulation, more people will be saved in those three and a half years that have been saved in the whole rest of human history prior to that. It's going to be a great time of revival. And it is, again, the love of God trying to say, I'm giving you one more chance. Wake up. I love the planet. I sent my son to save the planet and to save you. And God is in his love saying, one more chance. Here it is. I'm going to clarify it for you. See darkness, see light. You're going to have to make a choice. Our choices matter. That's also a part of the final exam. It's a final exam for you and for me, every one of us to face. When we stand before Lord, what will we have? 
What have we done with the life God has given us? But today I want to talk about a characteristic that you are going to need, I am going to need as we press into the last days. How does faith work in tough times? What is it supposed to do in us and for us and through us? How does it really help? We say we're people of faith. Well, what difference does it make? And in our pop test we're in with the coronavirus, some of us have had some difficulties, trials, there's been job losses, or I don't know if anyone in our church that's had the, the virus or not, but there are plenty of people around us that have. There are different kinds of trials and troubles that have touched us as families and separating us and not being able to be with a loved one perhaps who's sick. There, there are a lot of different ways trials and troubles come when you do something like a pandemic. Some people have the disease itself, but then there are a whole host of other things that circle around it. And all of these require for God's people to live with faith. And I want to talk about how that works. What is faith? How does it help in tough times? Is your faith growing? Is my faith maturing? Because that's going to be required for the last days that we are a people of strong faith in God. And I want to talk about how we get that and what it does for us. One thing we need to know about what faith is not, faith is not a superpower for Christians. That is not what faith is. It's not a superpower by which, oh, we get God to do something for us. Sometimes faith sort of gets rolled up in that ball of, if I believe hard enough, this will happen. Right? It's like faith becomes works rather than faith. Rather than trusting God, it becomes how hard can I believe? How much can I profess? And so then we turn faith into some kind of Christian superpower, and that is not what faith is all about. So I want us to look at a few examples in God's Word and see what it looks like to grow a strong faith, to see what it looks like to be mature in the faith of the Lord. And we're at different places. The Bible talks about in the Christian journey, there are babes. There are people who are fresh in the Lord. Don't, they haven't grown yet, but they're just as loved by God as the most mature Christian. I mean, we love our babies, right? But they're not as mature as our teenagers, and our teenagers aren't as mature as adult children. I mean, there's a natural process, and it's true in the Spirit. There are babes in Christ. There are young people in Christ that talks about it, and they have different things they have to face and wrestle with. And then there are those who are mothers and fathers in the faith. So we're at different places, but nevertheless, faith has some common characteristics that goes through all of these stages of life. And that's what I want to talk about, the main characteristics of faith that will support us and strengthen us in troubled times and see what faith will actually do for us. So I'm just going to start and make some statements about faith as it goes through the trials, as it goes through the troubles. What is it? How does it work? What will it do for you and for me? Number one faith is a response. Faith is a response. Hebrews chapter 11, a great chapter about faith. If you want to read about faith, the whole chapter is about faith. Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It's like God created by what? His word. Let there be and there was. Whatever God says is. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be dry ground in the water. Let there be. The faith is telling us God created out of what we can't see. It is the power of his word in his heart. But faith then is a response to that. God created the world. He created the universe. 
And we respond to the creator. How do we respond to the creator? We might respond with worship, right? I can remember many times when I'm hiking or back in the mountains somewhere and something very beautiful. It's like my heart just worships. It's like, God, that's glorious. You created beautiful, awesome things. I just love this, Lord. Thank you for giving us such a creation. Thanksgiving, worship. These are responses that we make to God's doing something called creation. That is faith. When we say, I recognize God did this and I appreciate it. I'm so glad that he did this. Another response we could make to creation is to remember, he's the creator, I'm a creature. (laughs) He owns it, I steward it. So there are different kinds of responses we make to what God has already done. That's what faith is. It's responding to what God has already done. There are divine initiatives, things that God has done, things that God has started, and faith is responding to what God has done and is doing. You could think God is also giving us his word. We could talk about the scriptures and how they were inspired into human hearts and they were written down. And they were preserved for us over all these years. So we see God gave us his word. Another thing that God has already done. So we respond. How do we respond? Well, we read it. We study it. We come to church and hear uh, those who are called to teach and preach share that with us. We rest in the word when we're in trouble. We, We go to the word and we have faith that God can comfort us. God can quiet us in the midst of our disturbances and fears. So faith responds to the fact God's already done something. He's given us a word, and it's alive, and it's active, and it's full of power. Or we could think, God, what else has God done? God sent his son, didn't he? Because God so loved the world, this broken world, this world that's getting darker. Hear me. God is not mad at this world. He loves the world. He loves his creation. He loves people. And he's doing everything he can without violating our free will to woo us to believe in him, to trust him. So God does something. He sends his son to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what Jesus said, I've come to do, to seek and save that which is lost. The creation that's gone astray, Jesus said, I'm coming to help get you back with your father, with your creator, to help it to be what God intended it to be. So again, faith does what? Responds to what God has already done. He sent his son. We respond how? Repentance. God, I need a savior. I'm a sinner. I'm bra- Jesus came to wipe my sins away, to bring forgiveness. God, I, I receive that. And we, so we repent. We receive the gift of salvation. And on and on and on we could go of how we respond to stuff God has already done. That's a life of faith. Are you responding to what God has already done? And for us, if you go to church and you, you seek the Lord and you do all those things, you think, well, that's kind of normal, isn't it? Well, it's not normal for most of the world, right? Lots of people who don't know Jesus, who don't believe in God, go through this life. They don't pay any attention to the fact there was a creator. They don't pay attention to there's a son who came to save us. They, it doesn't matter to them. It has no notion in their mind or in their heart, no movement. There's no faith. They're not responding to God. So eventually they're saying, God, I don't want you. (laughs) They're not saying that out loud, but that's what their life is really saying. I don't need God, don't care, don't believe. And there's a life that's not faith. So faith, number one, is a response to what God has done. He's already done some things, and our part is to respond to that. So faith 
in this light is not something we initiate. It's something that God has initiated, and we respond to it, hopefully in the way that honors what God has done. That's the faith God's looking for. Second thing about faith, faith is a revelation. Got James chapter 1. I had you turn there. Look at that, James 1. Verse 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Maybe we should read that again. <laughs> brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, or look at the screen, this translation, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I remember one time when I read that and looked at that, I thought, what kind of nut wrote that? <laughs> you know, you're in trouble. Hallelujah. It's like, that doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> Something seems off about that. And so we have to look at it a little bit deeper. This is an apostolic viewpoint of life, which is about faith. Listen, I'm reading a little different translation than the screen. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know... That when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Or perseverance, endurance, those are how this word is translated. So, let it grow. Hmm. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You'll be mature is the word there that I've been talking about this morning. That faith, faith is a revelation of what's in us. This is another thing faith is. It's a revelation of what's in us. Now, James, as he's sharing this, in the light of, of understanding faith as a revelation, that what is true in us or what is not true in us, James is saying this. There is joy in discovering how real your faith really is. There is joy in discovering how real your faith really is. Consider it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Why? Because you're about to take a pop test and you're going to see, do I understand faith? Am I living by faith? Because when your faith is tested, what happens? You become more mature. If you've got faith, you grow. When you've got faith, you stand in the midst of the storm. When you've got faith, you're in the darkness, but you trust God will be your light. So faith is a revelation of what's going on in us. Am I for real? Do I really believe God? Do I really trust God? That's what gets revealed when faith is in the fire. You will see it's an opportunity, as, as James is saying here, it's an opportunity for joy because you'll find out, wait, I really do have faith. <laughs> I really do trust God. I really do believe. I really am counting on you, Father. You're my hope. You're my help. And so in trials... You're discovering things about yourself that you can't discover any other way. There are things revealed about yourself during the midst of trials that you can't discover any other way. When things are fine, sometimes we don't look deeply enough. Sometimes we skip over stuff we ought to look at. But when you get in the midst of trials, it's like, you know, pull it open, put a light in and see what's going on inside you. Well, how is your heart? How is your relationship with God? Your faith is tested, and it begins to show you, are you for real or not? In trials, we are confronted with the authenticity or the lack of authenticity of our faith. When you're in trouble, when you're in trials, it's going to reveal, is your faith for real? Is it authentic, or is it not authentic? Authentic. 
So faith in the midst of trouble is a revelation to us. Listen, when the circumstances deteriorate, counterfeit faith dissolves along with it. When circumstances deteriorate, counterfeit faith dissolves along with the circumstances. So this thing of faith in the midst of trials, it's going to reveal some things to us. In the midst of our pop quiz with coronavirus, it's like we have to ask ourselves, am I living in fear or am I living in faith? This is a chance to see. Are we afraid? Are we trusting? This is important because like the pop quiz, again, this really counts. It really matters. And this is an opportunity to see, is it for real in me? And when it is, it's an opportunity for joy. God, thank you what you've done in me. Thank you, you've helped me. Thank you, you've been there. Thank you, you've supported me. Thank you, you've taught me. So trials reveal our confidence in God. Trials reveal our confidence in God. So when faith is real and you get in trials, that faith lets you see, I do trust God. I do believe God. I am listening to God. In the face of trials, artificial faith will unravel. But real faith will stand the test. In the face of trials, artificial faith just unravels. It will come apart. But if you've got the real thing, it's going to reveal itself to you as you do trust God. You do have confidence in God. And that's why it's an opportunity, as James says, for joy. There is joy in discovering how real your faith is. There's joy in that to know I am walking with God. I do believe God. I am trying to listen to you. I do want to honor you. I'm trying to obey you. And we mess up a lot, but in the midst of trials, faith is showing us I'm trying. (laughs) I really want to go this way. God, help me. I believe, help my unbelief. So I'm not saying faith is you've always got everything together. No, but it reveals, you know what? I am walking with God, but I got a ways to go. I've got some things I need to work on. So all of this gets wrapped up in the midst of these trials. We learn things about ourselves and our faith that we can't learn in any other way. So faith serves as a revelation. Number three, faith produces endurance and maturity. This is what we were talking about just a moment ago in James 1 there. Faith, in the midst of the fire, it's like putting your ingredients in a pot on the stove when you're cooking something. Put some red beans and some water and you let them soak overnight and then you add some, you know, Tabasco and whatever else you can put, chop up some habanero peppers and put in there and you get those, you put stuff in. When you put faith in the midst of a trial, it's going to produce some things, a certain flavor, a certain aroma, a certain taste. And we do that with the ingredients we're cooking with and the same thing is true. When faith is in the fire, it releases something. And what it releases is, if you have faith, you'll begin to grow. You'll begin to mature. That's what faith does in the midst of troubles. It encourages us, keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. It's all right. And that's what faith is up to in our lives. It keeps us going one more step. (laughs) And if you got one more step, faith says, take another. It keeps you going. Read. Go home for your homework and read Isaiah chapter 50. Just the last two verses, 10 and 11. Isaiah 50, 10 and 11. And there it's about faith, the person who believes the Lord, trusts the servant of the Lord, but he's walking in darkness. It's like the lights have gone out. Troubled times. Don't know which way to turn. And God says, lean on me. Lean on me. This is what a person of faith does. He leans on God when he doesn't have enough strength in his own self. God is there for him. 
And God also provides light in the midst of darkness. He is our light. He, the word, thy word is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. So faith produces something. It helps us to keep going, which is what? Endurance, maturity. That's what faith does for us. So in, in addition to revealing something, and when we respond in faith during trials and troubles, he tells us here in this verse, let faith finish its work. Let it finish, I mean, let endurance finish its work. It's like, keep going. Faith keeps you going. And when our, if we have artificial faith, we sit down and we stop going, don't we? We quit. Say, so God can't do it, not going to do it, I'm done. Artificial faith unravels. But if we have real faith, it gives us endurance to keep pressing in, to keep pressing on. Now, I want to make a comment here, and it's a bit touchy. So I'm going to say it carefully, but I want to say it clearly. A lot of us, a lot of our families, friends, associates are facing trials right now with this pandemic that's going on. And there are all other kinds of trials too, not just that one. We all have our own set of trials, troubles that come to us in this life. But take note this, take note of this. The thing that you may be trying to pray away might be the very thing God is using to mature you. Let me say that again carefully but clearly. The thing we try to pray away may be the thing God is using to mature us. The tension in your life is the epicenter of God's activity. The tension in your life is the epicenter of God's activity. Wherever there's a hardship, wherever there's trouble, wherever there's, wherever the fire is, God's working. Now, I don't mean he's the cause of the fire, but wherever there's a fire, wherever there's a trouble, God's in the midst. He's there to teach you what do you do now. How do you get through this? What does God say? So many times in the prophet, he said things like, you know, when the waters come upon you, you won't drown. When the fire's there, I'll be with you. It's like, I'll help you through this. He's saying to us, faith is what happens to my followers in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the trouble, and I am there with them. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Whatever you're going through, that's what faith finds out. You're not doing this alone. God is with you. David prays it in Psalm 23, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. It's personal. There's a God who is Emmanuel, God with us. So while there are tensions and troubles in our lives, you can always count on this. God is right there, and he's at work to help you mature, to help you grow, to get you through that's what God is doing. So we want to have strong faith. I mean, we, we need to have strong faith. But understand the only opportunity that you have for your faith to grow, for your faith to mature, the only opportunity you have are the circumstances of your daily life. Where else do you have an opportunity to grow faith? It's just in your daily life. And that's where God wants you to know He is. He is with you, daily life, at work and in the home and in the neighborhood, at leisure and in labor, at, on the mountaintops and in the valleys, in sickness and in health. It's like wedding vows, right? And richer or poorer, God's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
And faith teaches us how to recognize that and to never let go. Faith produces maturity, endurance. When we have faith, we don't let go of God. But the great thing, when you get to the bottom of that, you'll find out God won't let go of you. (laughs) We think we're trying to hold on to him, but the truth is, well, to tell you the truth, it's even deeper than that. I was going to say God's holding on to you, but the truth is it's not like when I'm trying to have faith, I get my hand and I want to grab the hand of God and not let go like a little toddler holds on to the hand of a father or a mother. Or then I might think, well, the father or mother has got a hold of my hand. When you're dealing with God, you are his hand. We are the body of Christ. And God would no more leave you than he would cut off his own hand. We're joined to the body of Christ when we get saved. It's an intimate, organic relationship that will never be broken. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the God we have, and faith teaches us that, and it causes us to endure anything and everything. And as David says again in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you're surrounded by enemies, look for the table of the Lord. It's there. God has something for you. And faith sees it, lays hold of it, takes it in, and it matures us. It strengthens us. So faith, listen, it doesn't reverse the consequences of living in a fallen world. It doesn't reverse the, we're all living in a fallen world. Jesus said it this way, in this world you will have tribulation. In other words, you live halfway between heaven and hell, you're going to get some of both in this life. And Jesus says, that's, that's, you're living in a fallen world. You're going to have some good things and you're going to have some bad things. But what faith does, it helps you to mature and to endure through them all. It helps us to live in such a way that God can fill us up and overflow us so others can taste and see that he is good. So faith, while it doesn't reverse the consequences, doesn't save us from never having any trouble in this world. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus is saying, hang on to me. I know the way through. I know the path to take. In fact, he is the path. He is the way and the truth and the life. So rather faith that produces endurance and courage in the midst of a fallen world. Rather than removing us from the consequences of a fallen world, it gives us courage and endurance to live in a fallen world. That's what faith does. Gives us courage and endurance to live in a fallen world and to maintain the glory and the goodness of God. Now, I said that was kind of a touchy statement, and it is, but I want to flip over the other side of that coin and say this. I don't want you to misunderstand. While I am saying troubles and trials are important tools, God can use them to help us grow, to help us mature, to make us strong in our faith. I am saying that, but I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray for a miracle or to pray for deliverance or to pray for healing or to pray for a job. I'm not saying, well, if all this trouble's God, I guess I better just say, okay, give me some more trouble so I'll have more of God. I'm not saying that. All right? I am saying God is in the midst of those things. He will use those things. I'm not saying that he's causing every bad thing in your life. The Bible teaches the opposite, as a matter of fact. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good thing in your life has come from God. But 
I'm not saying either that it's wrong to pray for healing or deliverance or, or our needs. Jesus taught us, pray for your daily bread, right? Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. I mean, God's saying, ask for what you need. So I'm not trying to say, when you got trouble, ask for more trouble. No, it's fine to pray, you know, give me some relief, God. <laughs> I need a meal, Lord, whatever it is. It's okay to pray that for our daily bread. So to pray for a miracle, to pray for deliverance, to pray for healing, to pray for a job, those are not immature prayers. You can just study the scripture and you'll find some of the most mature believers in there prayed those kind of prayers. Think about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember the story about the thorn in the flesh? She had some kind of trouble, whether it was a, a sickness, some kind of disease, or whether it was persecution. Nobody really knows what he was referring to there. But Paul prays three times in 2 Corinthians 12. And what did he ask? God, remove the thorn. Remove the trouble in my life. Remove, God, take it away. This is painful. This is hard. This hurts. Three times he asked God, God, please take this away from me. Get this out of my life. It's killing me here, Lord. And what was God's answer? No, no, no. Every time Paul asked for deliverance, God told him no. But here's my point I said earlier. In the midst of that, in the epicenter of his pain, God was doing something. What was he saying? Paul, I want you to learn my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So he had something he wanted Paul to know so he didn't remove that thorn because there was something that he can only work into his life in the midst of trouble or pain. So there's trouble, pain comes to all of us. It's great to pray, God help me, save me, get me out of this. We should pray that. I mean, that's just sanity to pray that. You need to pray that. Lord, help me, deliver me. But we also, in the midst of it, say, God, in the midst of this, whatever you're doing, make me like Jesus. That's always a good thing to put in your prayers. Make me like Jesus on my way through. <laughs> I love the little phrase in the Bible. It says so, so many times, and it came to pass. Whatever trouble you're in, it comes to pass. It won't stay. You're passing through. <laughs> We're passing through to a glorious eternity and life eternal and new heavens and new earth. It's no pain, no sorrow, no sickness, no tears. Uh, it's, we're going to a good thing God's planning and working in us and through us. So we need to pray for miracles. We need to pray for deliverance. But don't overlook the fact that wherever you're hurting, wherever you're pain, God is there. And he's also trying to do something good in the midst of it. He's not going to always take us out of it. Sometimes he's trying to put something in us in the midst of it. And sometimes he will take us out of it, right? It's attack of the enemy or we messed up in some way and God comes along and saves us. All of that is true. So it's not like you can take one formula and say it's always this way. It's not. There's mystery involved. The sovereignty of God is involved. So Jesus, how did Jesus deal with this? Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? Three times he prays, Father, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. And the father said what? No, no, no. Even Jesus got no's from the father. God is at work in the painful places in your life and mine. Not saying he caused them. Not saying he won't deliver us from them because he will. Ultimately, we know that. Everything. Even death at some point is not the victor. Jesus is the victor. 
But on our way through, as this thing passes through our lives and we pass through it, whatever trouble it is, let God be at work in you. Let God meet you there in that place of pain and let him transform it into something of his grace and his goodness. He will use the bad, the hurtful things that come. He doesn't cause them. He uses them. He redeems them. There's a good biblical word. He redeems it. He takes something's bad and he works something good out of it. He puts things in us that can't get in us in any other way because our hearts are maybe hardened or our minds are closed. But in pain, we open up, don't we? God help me. God save me. So, yes, pray for deliverance. I'm not telling you not to do that. But I am saying, in the midst of pain, also pray, God, make me like Jesus. Help me to respond to this thing like Jesus would. And then we will grow and mature. Faith produces endurance and maturity. When we run from God in the midst of pain, faith can't do its work. Let endurance finish its work. Like some of us want to leave the gym before our exercise is done, right? I've been here five minutes. I'll go home now. It's like, you know, it's like Sahoy's been telling me, Steve, you need to exercise. You need to exercise. So now I, I get up every morning. I do 50 diddly squats, and I'm gone. <laughs> That's my exercise routine now, diddly squat. <laughs> so faith produces endurance. And maturity. Faith is a response to what God's already done. Faith is a revelation. Faith produces endurance and maturity. I got five minutes, so hang on. How do you know if your faith is working? How do you know if your faith is maturing? How do you know if your faith is working? How do you know if it's maturing? What, what kind of signs are there? What kind of things can we know? I'm going to give you three things, and there are others, but here are three quick ones. Number one, faith saves you from sinking into a victim mentality. Faith saves you from sinking into a victim mentality. Without faith, we are tossed here and there on all the different kinds of winds that blow through, the Scripture says, and we go one way and then another, and we can't, we're restless as the sea, but faith keeps us from sinking into a victim mentality. It's like, oh, poor me. You know, everything, you know, why me? Why this? Why now? And it's all about, I'm a victim here. I'm a victim. But faith's energy invites us to go with Jesus into the throne room of God. Hebrews 4. It says that you go boldly and confidently into the throne room of God to find mercy and help in your time of need. Because what? Jesus has opened the door. Jesus says, come on, let's talk to God about this. Let's talk to the Father. It keeps you from being a victim. It keeps us from being a victim. What faith's energy, if your faith is working, it makes you an overcomer, not a victim. Doesn't mean we don't go through hard stuff. Doesn't mean we don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't have grief. It doesn't mean we don't weep for the night. But as victors and overcomers, we know joy is coming in the morning. Jesus endured the cross, what? For the joy set before him that he was going to get to spend eternity with you and me. I'm going to do this because there's something really good on the other side. It's awesome. So he was not a victim of the cross. He was an overcomer of the cross. So whatever you're dealing with in your life right now, faith helps you overcome and not to be a victim. Second thing that faith will do to us, faith directly impacts what happens next. 
If you're living in faith, it impacts what happens next. If you're, living, if you're not living in faith, again, you're just tossed to and fro by fate or whatever winds are blowing at the time or whatever people do or don't do. It's like you have no mooring. You have no solid ground to stand on. If you don't have faith in God, tell me, what are your alternatives? There's a serious lack of good alternatives. If you don't trust God, what are you going to trust? It's like, you know what? I need faith. <laughs> and faith impacts what's going to happen next. First of all, remember we've already said one thing that happens, faith gives us perseverance to keep going, right? To endure, not to quit, not to withdraw, not to just drug up or get drunk or to just blow our lives away on something to try to numb the pain. You can medicate pain for a long time, but it doesn't deliver you. It doesn't change you. So faith gives us perseverance. That's the next thing that ought to happen. It keeps you to endure in the midst of that. Faith releases courage to confront our enemies. Things the devil wants to do. Places he wants to ensnare us. Thoughts and values of this world system. There are enemies that are against us walking with God. All the way from Satan and all the demonic forces to the value systems of this world. It's materialism, consumerism, individualism. And then you can just boil it down to our own bodies and humanness that's fallen. We can mess up ourselves, can't we? There are plenty of enemies. Faith helps you overcome that. Faith helps you to have courage to confront and say, no, this is, this is what God wants. This is where God's going. Father, by your grace, help me to go there. Help me to believe this. Help me to walk with you. Faith enables us to hang on, to keep going. It enables us, like the great hymn used to say, we sang, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's what faith does. It enables you to do that. That's why I say a good sign your faith is working, it's impacting what happens next. Rather than becoming a victim, rather than trying to just medicate your pain, rather than running away and hiding, faith, again, calls you to overcome, to be Jesus in the midst of your troubles. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, those great verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will show you what to do. That's a pretty good thing faith does, doesn't it? It gives us God's guidance. It gives us the road, the way that we're supposed to walk, the attitude we're supposed to have. We're Maybe you're in an argument somehow with a spouse or a friend, and all of a sudden the Word of God drops in. A soft answer turns away wrath, right? Turns down the fire on the stove with a soft answer. And so faith gives us the courage to give the soft answer rather than our da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever that answer is. It's like faith gives us the courage to do what God wants done. Gives us the courage to keep going. So it impacts what happens next. It works in us to align us with the will and the ways of God. Get that? Faith works in us to align us with the will and the ways of God. Finally, the third, oh, let's see. No, I want to finish one other thing here. Faith directly impacts what happens next. Faith's greatest power comes not by changing your circumstances, but by changing you. That's the greatest power of faith. 
We always think about faith moving mountains and doing this and doing that. Pray for somebody with faith and they're healed or whatever. Those are great, awesome things in faith. I love that part. Gift of faith. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Verse 8 through 10. Gift of faith is a great gift. And it does powerful things. But the most powerful thing faith does is changes who you are. Works on the inside of your character, your nature, your sight, where you can see as God sees and want what God wants. That's what faith does. It lifts you to a positivity. It lifts you up from the... Is that a word, positivity? Sounds like a good one to me. Okay, we'll take it. I want to use that in Scrabble someday. That would be a good word, positivity. I mean, you got a V and a P and... Why? And where were we? Oh. Faith's greatest power is changing you rather than your circumstances. And I'm not saying it never changes your circumstances. It does. But the greatest thing it does, it changes who you are. Lifts you to a place, a position of hope. Faith brings you to a throne room perspective. How does it look from God's ruling and reigning? If God's in charge, what does this really look like? That's what faith does for you. It gives you a star to steer by in the darkest night. It's like, there we go, go this way. Faith is always there for us. And final thing now, how do we know faith is working? What are the signs? Faith empowers us to draw on love that conquers fear. Faith empowers you to draw on love that conquers fear. As I was writing this, I, I just had a little picture drop in my head. and It's like faith is like a bucket that draws love from the well of living water that's deep inside of you. Faith is like a bucket that draws living water, draws love out of that living water that's down deep inside of you. God says, Jesus says in John 7, that inside of us as believers in Christ, there are rivers of living water that's flowing from the throne of God, Ezekiel uh, 47 talks about. This living water that makes things live. It brings to life even dead things, what's coming from God. Faith is the bucket that draws that water and lets it water your soul and your mind and your heart. That's what faith does. In the difficult trial, I find so many times it's easier to have faith in fear than it is to have faith in love. Right? I mean, it's easy to go the broad way. It's easy just to go with the, the flow of this world. It's easy to be afraid or to be angry or to be whatever it is we are in the moment. But faith causes us to be something else. It causes us to be channels of love. We draw from that love of God. God is love. We draw from his presence, draw from his compassion, draw from his wisdom, and love comes out of us to others. That's how you know faith is working. It will make you a more loving person. I'm going to write that down. I didn't have that in my notes. Faith will make you a more loving person. You know how I know that? Because it's right here in my sermon notes. That's how I, I, I'm, I'm sure of it. There it is. <laughs> Galatians 5.6. If you wrote that down, write Galatians 5.6 beside it. And here's what you'll read. Faith works through love. Faith works through love. So faith will make you a more loving person. Drawing from that deep well of God's love within us, it engages that power of love. And then through the clarity of love, faith allows us to see things in the light of eternity. That's my last slide. Just read that one. That's a good one. One more. Through the clarity of love, Faith allows us to see things in the light of eternity. 
When love is illumining a person we're looking at or a situation, then what's happening? Eternal life is shining on it. We're able to see it according to what does God value here? What does God want here? What is God's will in this circumstance, in this argument, in this trouble? What does God want? Love clarifies according to eternity. It lets us know what's really important. What is really important. When we see things as God sees them, then the power of love will conquer our fears. When we see things as God sees them, then the power of love will conquer our fears. Father, thank you that you are a present Father and you are here right now. You are with us. Thank you, God, also that you are love and that you love us. Thank you, God, also that you are the Word and you speak to us. So I pray now for each of us in this room that we would know you're with us. You're our Abba, our Papa. You will not forsake us. We will never be alone. And I pray that we would have ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning about our faith. And Lord, if my family here is like me, they'll find some places in this message where I'm doing pretty good. And Lord, there are some places I'm not doing so well. Lord, you know us intimately through and through. So right now, church, just take that spot where you're not doing so well. Would you hold it in the light? Because light is where things get healed, where they get changed. So God, as he was talking, this part of my faith, Lord, it's not very good. I'm really weak here, Lord. Holy Spirit, I invite you. Would you make this a strong part of my faith? So just open a door with your prayer. Say, Lord, come into this part of my life and make some changes. I want you to, Lord. Make a surrender. Lord, I, I, I lay this down before you, God. I, I've been unable to change me. Uh, unless you change me, this is, this is what I made of myself. God, I'm going to trust you to do something in me. I, I haven't been able to do so. God, I'm coming to you. Help me. Change me. Make me like Jesus. If you invite him in, you surrender He'll be there working. He's a patient farmer. Trust him to make you more like Jesus. So, Father, forgive us so many places where we've failed your glory. We've diminished, Lord, your love in this world. May we become much brighter, God, because of our faith. Let it grow in us, Lord. Holy Spirit, Lose faith in us at a new level, I pray. Make us aware every day that we want to walk by faith. So, Lord, your faith, it works through love. I, I, I pray, most of all, you would make this church, God, more loving. We would just be more loving people, God. I know then our faith will be more alive and more powerful. Help us to be people of love, overcomers. So thank you for your love that's greater than all our sins, all our failures. Your love heals us all. Thank you. And I pray for each of our lives and for this church, God, to be strong in faith. That we would believe you. We would fix our eyes on Jesus. Our hearts would be open to the Spirit and listening to his voice. That we would be a church filled with the presence of God. Strong in our faith. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.